Welcome into another episode of We're Talking. Tonight we're talking football, Sunbelt Conference football, Raging Cajun football, and a little music trivia with Mr. Jay Walker, voice of the Raging Cajuns. How are you this evening, Jay? I'm wonderful. I'm, I'm just wonderful. Well, so it's a wonderful evening. It, it is. And, and look, it, it was a wonderful Saturday because the Cajuns won. It was a wonderful Saturday in the league, um, a, a historic Saturday uh, in the league, so... I think that everyone who's listening to this is either a Cajun fan or a fan of somebody in the Sun Belt. So chances are everybody's in a good mood right now. I would hope so. I mean, it's, uh, well, and especially if you're in Lafayette, the last two days have been absolutely gorgeous. Man, you know, not quite Chamber of Commerce weather, but it's getting there. It's going to be in the low 60s tonight and tomorrow night, I believe. So that, um, yeah, that, that pleases me. Uh, considerably. Absolutely. Let's get into our music trivia before oh, wow. we get yeah, started. 64 tonight, 63 Tuesday night, 63 Wednesday night. Oh, I'm liking this. Yep. So, music trivia. All right. ZZ Top. Uh-huh. LaGrange. Do you know what the song is about? Yeah. It's um, it's about uh, something that was called the Chicken Ranch. Uh, it's a Damn, you are like... It's a house of ill repute. You were throwing down mad knowledge today. I mean, okay, look, I didn't have a chance last week because what you what you brought out was like way out of my comfort zone before my time, but I can do some classic rock now. Yeah, but when the levee breaks, though, was classic rock. You didn't well, know that it was a, a remake, though. No, I didn't know it was a remake. Um and is, I don't think LaGrange is a remake, is it? No, it is an original song by uh, ZZ Top off of their Tres Hombres. And I'm sure all of you uh, people that speak uh, Spanish or Mexican or uh, Hispanic are, are saying my, you said it wrong. My favorite ZZ Top song is on that album. And it, it's Waiting for the Bus slash wow. Jesus Just Left Chicago. I just, man, that's good stuff right there. Absolutely. So I, I knew... I mean, I knew the song was kind of, I mean, it said some things. They got, they got a lot of nice girls, you know. I never realized, and I passed through LaGrange when I lived in Austin, going back and forth from Houston to Austin or Lafayette to Austin, and I would always say, ha, 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 <laughs> you know. But I never knew it was about the, I knew about the chicken ranch. Uh-huh. I didn't know about the chicken ranch being in LaGrange. Okay. So... Now, that's a bit before my time. It closed in 72. Right, right. But it uh, the word is, I mean, this is long before the internet, that they had customers showing up until about 1974. Way. So uh, they actually moved the last building. They moved the building, first of all, outside of the city limits, close to the, uh, to the highway. And then they moved it from there, after it was closed, up to Dallas. And it became a bar. But only in the and the, the last owner of the chicken ranch moved went up there and uh, ran it and it only stayed open for about a year though. Gotcha. So I just I mean I knew the song and I I, I knew all the words but it just never and I knew the chicken ha, ranch ha, ha, ha. but I just ha ha ha. All right now I think we'll move on from that. Ha ha ha. <laughs> uh-huh. So no, uh, it just—I mean, it's—it's it's one of those classic songs. That was a great song. That just—I mean, I had no idea. So, but then again, you are quite a bit older than me. So yes, I am. <laughs> so, 
Um, Sunbelt Conference football. Can I'm not going to ask you, can you remember? Has there, and I'm not going to ask you, ask, say even, has there ever been? How freaking great was this week? No, it was, it was wonderful. There's only been one other time that the Sun Belt got three P5 wins in one day. Cajuns beat Iowa State. Arkansas State defeated Kansas State. Coastal Carolina beat Kansas. It's the only other time that it's ever happened. But this time you're talking about two top 10 teams in Texas A&M and Notre Dame and a very storied program uh, in Nebraska. And um, I haven't talked with, with our good friend Danny Reed yet. You know, Danny told me, uh, last week that he actually grew up a Nebraska fan. I did not know. I heard that on the broadcast. I didn't realize. And, that. and I haven't talked to him yet because I, I, I didn't want to get out and say, well, how was it? I wanted him to be able to just soak it in for a couple of days. Um, it is still my greatest experience since I've been covering the Cajuns okay. was, was the game at Nebraska. It was the best atmosphere I've ever been, best fans I've ever been around. Um, and so if you're a lifelong fan of that program and you get to go, I'm sure it was even more special. Well, I, I've never been to a game there, but I've, I've been to the campus. I've been to the university there, flew in there one time, well, actually more than one time, and then uh, would drive over to Omaha for the College World Series. And the first time, the first trip to the College World Series in 2000, see the Cajuns, I ended up going back for the championship game. Because I met some people there, they were so nice. Come on, stay with us. Uh -huh. Come back, and I'm like, yep. "No, I can't do that." You know, I, you know, you know, you don't really want to impose, but they're like calling me and calling me, going like, "You've got to come back, man." I mean, so some some you know, it's called the Heartland for a reason. Yep. Okay, it is, and um, I think the some of the nicest folks you're ever going to meet are Nebraska, Iowa, Northern Missouri, Kansas, around in there some of the nicest people you're ever going to meet. Well, at some point this week, I'm going to try to sit down and watch the game. I'd like to – well, all three games I would like to watch. Marshall-Notre Dame, um, I mean, I know Notre Dame has a new coach and everything, and I'm not making excuses for them. But Notre Dame, such a tradition of football. And now – and Marshall does too. But Marshall has a – History for a different reason. Right. Um, that's, I mean, that's something you don't see. First of all, Marshall's pretty good. Okay. We, you know, we yep. saw him, we saw him last year at the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. They got a nice club and they got most of the folks back. They have a, a new quarterback this year. He's probably better than the guy that they had last year. Also, you're, you caught Notre Dame at a good time. They're coming off that emotional game against Ohio State and I'm, I'm not, I don't want to diminish what Marshall did by saying it was a trap game, but I think it would only be, only be realistic to say that Notre Dame may have had a little bit of a letdown after the, uh, after the game against Ohio State. But to Marshall's credit, they took the fight to Notre Dame. Um, I think that they were, on that day, they were the better team. Absolutely. It, it wasn't a fluke on that day, I can say that. No, I think all three games. And, and to me, though, the biggest upset, to me, has to be App State going into Texas A&M. Part of it is Southeastern Conference School, 100,000 people rooting against you. 
Um, but I will say this. Sometimes the score doesn't tell you everything about the game. App State totally dominated them. Okay, it was a three-point spread, but they ran twice as many plays. Uh, Texas A&M just couldn't move the football to save themselves. They scored 14 points. Seven of them were on a, a kick return. So you held Texas A&M to, to one offensive touchdown. The crazy thing here is this is a team that gave up 63 the week before. Well, well that's all I was going to – and that's part of why I think that makes this – even a bigger win because they could have folded after that. I mean, it's as it's it it might be the most impressive win they only that, allowed that the conference has ever had. They only allowed Texas A and M nine first downs. That's it. That's it. Totally dominated Texas A and M, um, and so neither one of those games were a fluke. And then you had Georgia Southern go to Nebraska. It's the first time that Nebraska has ever lost at home when scoring 35 points. Really? And and Georgia Southern left there with 640 yards of offense, the most ever against Nebraska at Memorial Stadium. So that was, that's another thing that you, 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 know, you look at the score and then you go, wait a minute, what? What do you mean this has never been done before? Those are three really impressive wins. And I'm going to back that up with one more. South Alabama going to Central Michigan and winning double digits in a game where they were a touchdown underdog. Central Michigan is usually one of the top teams in the MAC. I think they will be again this year. Them and Toledo are probably the two strongest teams. But to go up there to... Um, oh my gosh, I lost... Mount Pleasant. Uh, Mount Pleasant. Go up to Mount Pleasant and, and win the way they did. I I said all of last year, watching South Alabama, and they finished five and seven. I think they lost their last four a year ago. The one thing keeping them from being really good is a quarterback, and they've got one now. And so now I think South Alabama is a complete football team. They showed me that with their win on Saturday, and that, that is going to be one heck of a homecoming test for the Cajuns on October 1st. Well, the game wasn't even, you know, it was a 14-point game, but it was not that close. Correct. Uh, uh, Michigan, Central Michigan scored later, and they scored 14 points in, 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 the, in the final quarter. 31-10 to 10 at halftime. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it was not close at all. Let's go back to, the, I mean, because this, I didn't realize this, but if you – Chase Bryce, quarterback for App State. Mm -hmm. If you tell me that he he's going to throw for 134 yards, uh, I don't think they have a chance in hell to beat Texas A&M. Well, of course not, because they're certainly not going to rush the ball against the Aggies' defense. Ha, ha, ha. 181 net yards, 208 overall. And, and you know, the thing about App State's running game, you have three guys on that team who are – at some point in time, have been all conference running backs. You know, Datrick Harrington, uh, you know, blew out his knee, hasn't quite been the same guy, but but he's running some. Um, you know, Nate Noel was the uh, team's leading rusher a year ago, and Cameron Peoples missed half the season because of an injury. He's healthy. He comes out, and he has the biggest run of the entire game, that 43-yarder that allowed him to run out the clock. 
181 yards, but 3.5 a carry. But like you said, it doesn't. It's not how you get them. It's when you get them. Yeah. If you, and if it, if if they're for first downs and and you're running that clock out. Uh, so congrats to App, App State, South Alabama. You know, everybody in the league either won or covered the spread. I mean. Arkansas State covered against Ohio State. Southern Miss covered against Miami. Georgia State covered uh, in their game with uh, North Carolina. North Carolina. Now, Old Dominion did not. They lost by 18. And the other team that didn't was Coastal Carolina, who had to come from behind to beat an FCS school, Gardner-Webb. They used to be in the same conference, uh, 31-27. But, you know, Texas State wins outright. You know, Troy dominates Alabama A and M. Uh, it it was just a really good day for the Sun Belt Conference. I know FIU is not very good, but at the same time, that Texas State win is huge for that. I mean, I, well, huge for their coach, if nothing yeah, else. Really, yeah. And it, and and it's forty-one to twelve. Yeah, okay. they won big. It they, wasn't they, like they it won, wasn't like they had a squeaker. They won very impressively. Um, you know, I we we talked last week, and I said if. You know, if they don't win that game, Jake Spavital might not survive it. But they did. They went out one by four touchdowns. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to say all is well in San Marcos. But, um, look, they, they did what they were supposed to do against a team that's not very good. Problem is that they faced Baylor this week, in which we saw the Baylor-BYU game late Saturday night. Very late. Very late. I was out at Santa's RV until the very end, smoking or still puffing on my victory cigar. And uh, had a couple beers, but I was just like, going like, all right, it's time to go to bed. It's time to go to bed. But the game was exciting. That was a great game. Uh, and I, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I was not smoking a cigar, but I was having a pretty healthy glass of bourbon and uh, in, enjoyed it. You know, and this week, you know, you know, Marshall's got a trap game against Bowling Green, but Bowling Green's not very good. That game's on the NFL Network, by the way. Um, Old Dominion is uh, is you know at Virginia Northwestern State, who is with with all due respects to people in Natchitoches, that's a bad football team, and uh, they're at Southern Miss, so Southern Miss is going to get their first win. Um, uh, yes, sorry. Coastal Carolina is playing host to Buffalo, who lost to FCS Holy Cross last week. Georgia Southern, uh, let's see if they can get back up after that big win because they've got a very a very solid UAB club that's going to be their opponent. Um, and they're back on the road. Yes. Georgia State should get their first win against a bad Charlotte team. Memphis and Arkansas State's going to be interesting. Um, and, you know, if you'll scroll back up oh. uh, for a second um, – what was the other game I was going to bring up? Mm. Oh, South Alabama and UCLA. Yes. Here is another opportunity. That that line is 14. All right. And that's another opportunity for the Sun Belt to get another P5 scalp. I think South Alabama, the, the only thing that concerns me is they had a really long trip to Central Michigan last week. They have another very long trip to Los Angeles this week. But South Alabama might be good enough to uh, to win that game, and so that's pretty interesting. And of course, there is a conference game 
this weekend with uh, Troy uh, taking on Apps. Appalachian State, and of course, College Game Day is going to be there, and that is going to be a 2.30 game on ESPN+. Plus. Let me ask you this. Let's go back to Old Dominion. They beat Virginia Tech earlier in the year. Now, Virginia has two, uh, one loss against an FCS opponent, Richmond, and then uh, lost to Illinois 3-24. to And let's face it, Illinois is not the, the prime of the crop there in the Big Ten. Correct. Does Old Dominion have a, a shot there? Yeah. Yeah, I think they got. I think they've got a chance. You know, I, I don't think they're going to be the favorite there, but but I think, I think they have an opportunity. You know, the thing about Old Dominion, James Madison, Virginia, Virginia Tech, they're all in the same state, and they don't mind playing each other. Yep. And I think that you know Old Dominion and Virginia Tech, I, I think, are meeting every year for the next eight or nine years. Yeah. And and so yeah, um, I think they're going to have a chance. They're going to have a chance. Well, good. Um, before we get into specifics of the game with the Cajuns, uh, let's talk about a little bit of the final score. Uh, well, actually, let's just go ahead and take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk Cajun football. You're listening to uh, – we're talking with Craig Malonso and Jay Walker, Voice of the Cajuns. We'll be back after this brief timeout. Welcome back into We're Talking Tonight, talking football with Jay Walker, voice of the Cajuns. Jay, you know, the Cajuns won 49-14. to 49-21. and to 49-21. And um, I just messed up my math again in my head. 28-point <laughs> victory? Yes. Okay, because I was... <laughs> See, I can do math. I'm good. I kept thinking the whole time it was 49-14, and I'm thinking, okay, that's a 35-point victory. It's Robe's birthday. Wouldn't it be nice to beat him by 36 points? Well, but that, that screwed it up. 28, so we beat him by Matt Deggs' number. There you go. There you are. We beat him by Matt Deggs' number. So. Look, I, I just, I, I'm just not going to suggest that he did, that Robe didn't send that lightning bolt because we weren't playing well. It's, uh, it's amazing. I told Gerald in the booth, I think he might have uh, stepped out of the booth for a little bit during the lightning delay. I said, I was watching an MLB game a couple weeks ago and they, one of the minor league rules were if, if, if the power went out, the lights went out, you had to start the game over the next day. Well, there was a manager every time they get down by a few runs in the eighth inning, he would tell his guys, pull the plug, pull the plug. I like and it. they'd come back and win the next day. I'm not suggesting that's what John Dugod did, but Hey, <laughs> Well, I know that it rained pretty hard in Youngsville. Yes. And and I did, in fact, go downstairs, and while I was outside, I did see some lightning. So um, let's forget about the lightning part of it in the sense that there was lightning in the area. So I want to ask, what is, how was it decided that that was going to be the halftime? Do both coaches have to agree? Does the official have to? I, do you know? No, I don't. Um, how were you notified? Was that Sully or was that? I was upstairs in the hallway and Dan McDonald came and he said, look, we're hearing that this rain, this lightning delay is going to count as halftime. And now you're only three minutes away from the from right. halftime anyway. 
But I don't know if that was the official's call or if it was uh, the coach. I, 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 I don't know who made the decision. Okay. I know it was the right decision. Oh, absolutely. That's why I was but, curious. But I, but I don't know who made it. Uh, because you guys kept talking about it, and, I'm, and I must have stepped out when you told Gerald. Because I, 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 and you guys kept talking about it. I'm like, well, how do you know that? How do you know that? I mean, I, I, I didn't hear an announcement. How do you, how do you know that they're going to, that's going to count? And I just, dude, I'm Jay. Okay. Well, obviously just kidding. But, uh, no, I, I, I thought it was the right decision as well. And I, and, uh, the only thing that I wish it would be a university policy, especially since they should be getting fans out of the stands. That if it goes to a lightning delay, they can go to their car, they can go to their tailgate and get back in with their ticket. I wish it was a university policy and not just announced a couple minutes before. Yeah, that. The, uh, but that again, that's not a, not a complaint suggestion. Yeah, I you know, I know that um, you know when stuff like this happens, and you know, I asked Brian Maggard, had he ever been through that? He said that there had been a. Storm delay when he was at Missouri had nothing to do with lightning, just a torrential downpour that caused a, a, a break in the action. But it was the first time he had ever uh, had to deal with the lightning thing. And so, you know, we, we've gone through it in baseball a bunch of times over yeah. the years. But it, it's, I don't. Of course, I remember the first year that I that I did the Cajuns. The last game of the season was called with eight minutes to go in regulation because the storm of all storms was headed to Lafayette. And there was a game against Arkansas State. It was the last game of the year. The Cajuns were losing. Um, and there was this incredible sell. And I remember... Oh, gosh. Maybe, I don't remember who it was back then. Okay, this is 1992. This is 30 years ago. And I don't remember who it was that came in and said, we're evacuating the press box. Oh. And, and I think we might have been in a commercial break. And I remember Don Allen saying, well, we're not leaving. <laughs> and, they, and they said, uh, yeah, you are. Because uh, we're going to call the game. The, oh. the, the game's going to be called. Um, because there was, there was, they were afraid like that this storm might produce a tornado yeah. or, or something. And so we came back out and said, they've called the game. Um, uh, that's Jay. I'm Don. Good night. And we packed up and got the hell out of there, man. Uh, well, I, that's the only time I remember though. Being game stopped because of lightning at Cajun Field. I remember it being stopped because the lights went out and, and some other stuff. And of course, in Mark Hutzpah's first year, we had a, a long weather delay at Kent State. Yes. Um, that was lightning and storm related. Um, but it hasn't happened very often in the you know 30 plus years that I've been doing this. E even in baseball, when it happens, we usually get some type of rain for a little bit or it's rained some, you know, it was, it was, it was just kind of weird with everything that happened. So, but I remember an NCAA regional in Houston in 1999 where there was a lightning delay and rain came through and it rained. And then there was just enough lightning. The sun was out 
in some parts, but it was another two and a half hours before we played <laughs> because there was still lightning in the area. Well, we're headed to Houston this weekend. Let's hope that doesn't uh, take into effect there. Well, the, we- the weather forecast looks good. Most excellent. Well, let's talk about the game now. All right. Uh, offensively, I mean, you go, I mean, We've seen the Cajuns get off to a slow start during the building Napier era, but man, I don't think ever have, did we have a half that we didn't score in last year? The first half, I mean, I don't remember. I know that we've had one uh, that we had one under Billing, but I I don't remember if it was last year. Okay, but there was a, there was a game that we did not score in the first half. Um, you know, I. My thought as I was watching it, and of course, I'm watching the ball. I'm not, I'm not yep. watching the receivers. I'm not watching the play on the line. I'm watching the ball. But I knew that Eastern Michigan had a very big football team. All right. They were big across the defensive line, big against, uh, across the offensive line. And the Cajuns had a significant advantage in team speed. Well, when... When the Cajuns struggled on offense early in the game, especially struggling to run the football, I said, well, they're just getting beat up front right now. I said, I think that'll change because as the game goes on, and of course, you know, we wound up talking about it on the air about, you know, the team from Michigan comes down, the humidity sometimes can get you as you go. I don't care how well conditioned you are. Um, but, you know, hearing Mike talk about it, it, it that might have had a little bit to do with it. But it was more of, you know, the offensive line just missing an assignment, missing where the double team was supposed to go, missing, and and it was almost like they were they were too jacked up to play, uh, to where they were going out letting adrenaline take over as opposed to you know playing a thinking man's game early. Um, But I will say this. At some point in time, whether it was the heat and humidity or whether it was because the coaching staff made adjustments or whether it was because everybody calmed down and just played football, there came a time when the Cajuns just flat took this thing over. And uh, and it was in the second half when they outscored the opposition 49-7. to I really thought that the long timeout long delay of the game was going to help Eastern Michigan more than it would the Cajuns because they were the bigger team. Mm -hmm. I really think two things happen in in my opinion. Uh, One, the big defensive lineman for Michigan, Alex Merritt, number zero, went down. Mm -hmm. I think that made a huge difference. It was a big loss for him, no question. And I think the other thing was number two, was a motor mouth on the offense, Booyah or Bouge or Booty or, you know, you tell what's his, what was his name again? Uh, yeah. So, but he was a little motor mouth. And after he got, after we tagged him a few times, they, I don't know if you notice, he was no longer on the kickoff return team in the second half. Right. So I don't know if, and at one point he wasn't on the field. I had text Cody. I said, do you see number two? And of course, as soon as I text him, Cody said, yeah, he's in the slot. So, um, you know, I had forgotten that, and I forgot who even told me, but there was someone who had told me that Eastern Michigan does a lot of chirping. 
and a lot of talking. And when when you guys brought it up, I mean, Cody brought it up in jail. Then I remember, oh yeah, somebody told me this was going to happen, and I and I still can't remember who it was that told me. Um, well, I meant to get a hold of our friend Russ Eisenstein before the game to ask him if there was anything that we should look out for and all that. And my my week just got busy last week, so you know they had uh, the Cajuns had a lot of penalties in the first half. Um, many of them were penalties of aggression, and and I'm telling you, Mike's not going to mind those very much. You know, you get you get a couple of pass interference calls or or whatever, and even the roughing the passer, a uh, couple of calls that they had, that's um, th- that's mistakes of aggression. Yep. And 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 those are forgivable, as opposed to lining up wrong and having false starts and 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 that sort of thing. But I think the other thing that doesn't hurt you as much as it happened in the first half, as opposed towards. Oh sure. You know when the game is close. Sure. Um, because the, the, the penalties went down considerably in the second half and the quality of play went up. Um, Mike said at his Monday press conference and he said it during the coach's radio show, you know, they had a couple of couple of drops um, in the uh, in the first half of play. And Gerald, to his credit, of course, because he played at Cajun Field, his analysis was it was the sun. Yep. And and he talked about you know there's a there's a certain place on the field where if you look over to the west, you know you're looking right into the sun. And they had a couple of drops because of that. And and Mike confirmed that. And so I you know I want to give uh, kudos to my broadcast partner for um, for analyzing that correctly. How I, I mean. I thought the running backs, even though we probably didn't have the numbers that anybody wants, um, but I thought the running backs did another excellent job. Uh, they ran hard. Yeah. Um, you know, Chris Smith finally broke one uh, for a 20-yard touchdown. And um, I thought Williams and Cabote ran hard. And, and Draylon Washington came in and... and you know, when both teams had emptied their benches and, and done a very, very nice job. So, you know, overall, the running backs did did okay. I mean, they, you know, they didn't have that big night where they put up big yardage, but they were efficient. Um, 5.6, 4.5, Yeah. You know, I'm, um, you know, I have to kind of, I have to kind of chuckle because after the first game, you know, there were some folks on social media that were, uh, why is he playing two quarterbacks? We don't need to have Wilridge in there. We don't have, and then Ben Wilridge comes out and he just was magnificent. Both quarterbacks were really, really good, but I don't think there's any question now why Mike is playing both of them. Absolutely. Is this correct? 12 of 13? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 12 out of 13. You know, two touchdown passes, Chandler Field, three touchdown passes. You know, the one thing that I will say about this team that we saw a lot of the previous couple years uh, was that if we got the ball at the end of the half, we scored. It was either a touchdown or or a field goal. Mm -hmm. We didn't do that Saturday. Correct. And the other thing they did well in previous years were when we got the ball at the beginning of the second half, we came out and scored. Correct. Again. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. But at the same time, you, you score 40, 49 points. 
Well, you scored touchdowns in seven straight possessions, and last time I checked, that was that was pretty good. Now, I thought overall, for the entire game, I thought the Cajuns were very good defensively. Um, you know, they they allowed the touchdown on the first drive of the game, and then allowed a touchdown on the last drive of the first half. But in between, they you know they they, they got some sacks of the quarterback. Um, they were able to go ahead and turn them away on third down. And then in the second half, they just, you know, they, they got they got the one score. But other than that, they, they got nothing accomplished against the Cajuns defense in the second half. And want to take time to say congratulations to Casey Osai, who is the state of Louisiana defensive player of the week. I mean, here's a guy that before the season started, oh, concerned about depth at linebacker, concerned about depth at linebacker. Who's this kid Osai? Um, but he'd been, he'd been playing on special teams, Mike said that, oh, no, he said, we know how good this kid is. And he gets a chance to uh, to go out and show it, and he does. And congratulations to him. I'll be honest with you. When, when I typed in the numbers for you on the on, on the uh, spotting chart, uh-huh. and I saw the name the you first said, Oh, my I, God, I made a mistake. I mean, and I kept, I'm like looking again to, to, yeah. to check the number, and I'm going like, and but but he his name just kept popping up, popping up, popping yep. up. Forced to fumble, had nine tackles, and um, – He's the uh, Louisiana Defensive Player of the Week. Congratulations to him. Absolutely. It, it's, you know, you, you talked about how we talked about the break, and then we come back from the break, and Eastern Michigan scores another touchdown. You think to yourself, oh, no, here we go. It's going to be the same old thing. Then you got the four-minute break or so for halftime, and then they come out, and we don't score. And, again, here we go. What are we going to do? Well, you know, but then you score in two straight possessions to tie the game. They score a touchdown to take the lead. And then you go back. And when um, when the Cajuns took the field at 21-21 in the third quarter, it was the first time the entire game that they took a snap where they weren't losing. Yes. And then you go out and you win by four touchdowns. John Stevens, Michael Jefferson. I, I'm. I mean, and, and and I heard Coach mention it tonight in your show. Earl Rogers. Does, I mean, he. You know, but those are the guys that had. You know, uh, that's the guy. One of the guys that had the pants. But John Stevens, 103 yards on three reception. Michael Jefferson. 80 yards on five. I thought they made some very nice catches. But at the same time, the quarterback put it to only where they could do it. They're, they're, I, I think they were uh, the recipient of, of some very good throws. But they also, look, they both can stretch the field. It's interesting because they're not in the game at the same time. They play the same position. Um, but both of them are capable of, uh, of having the home run ball and, you know, both of them got into the end zone, and between the two of them, there are eight catches for 183 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, and I think that uh, Tim Leger will take that every time. All right, let's talk about number nine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, number nine, of course, is Neil Johnson. And, you know, Neil wound up with uh, two catches for 31 yards and a score. And then later in the game, um, number nine caught a couple of passes, and we said that it was um, 
Neil Johnson. Neil Johnson and Cody was able to correct us and say, no, that's Lance Lejean out there. Um, Lance Lejean, of course, is the transfer from Maryland that everybody has wondered if he was going to get a shot at quarterback. He has moved to wide receiver, uh, had two catches for 18 yards. Mike Desermo just raves about this guy's athleticism. And he said it on his radio show Monday. He said he can play in the NFL as a wide receiver. Yeah. But the interesting thing is both he and Neil Johnson were number nine. So if Lance is going to play some more, somebody's going to have to change their number because you can't have both of those guys on the field with the same number at the same time. And it would be nice to have both of those guys on the field at the same time. It, it, it might be a good thing. Well, anything else on the offensive side you want to talk about before we take a quick break? Um, if, was there anything I missed? I'm just... No, I don't think so. You know, I, think, I think we covered it pretty well. Um, you know, want to say uh, congratulations to uh, our uh, our kicker who went seven for seven uh, in uh, point after touchdown. That's good. And you know, Reese Burns another very solid game. Uh, and once again, nothing in the return game for uh, for Eastern Michigan because our our special teams, man, they do such a good job and they get overlooked so much because we just don't notice. What a good job they do. Yeah, you had, uh, oh, there's his name, uh, Hassan Badoon. Badoon. Uh, punt returns two for six yards. No, two for two yards yeah. and a long of six, yes, which means long. he was minus four in the other one. Exactly. So, well, good deal. Uh, we'll be back right after this brief message. Where you're listening to We're Talking with Craig Malansaw and Voice of the Raging Cajuns, Jay Walker. Welcome back into We're Talking today. Craig Molossaw and Jay Walker, voice of the Cajuns. Jay, let's talk about the defense. Uh, some of the guys, I think we saw it again this week, though. Although I think he got a few more tackles. Um, um, Zion Hill Green. Mm -hmm. I think he got. He was credited for a few more, more tackles, but he just does a, such a good job up front. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm... I'm I've got a man crush on him because we talk about him every week, but oh. he does a great job every week. If you're going to have a man crush, that's not a bad one to have. Um, no, he's such a fine young man and a very good football player. And, you know, he's he doesn't put up – like he's not going to get up with his position. He's not going to go out and get, you know, eight, nine, ten tackles in a game. But he's going to be disruptive. He's going to put pressure on the quarterback. He's going to beat his man and allow linebackers to make tackles. Um He's he's good. He's good. I'm looking here at the uh, and I looked at it earlier. Uh, while we one thing we didn't talk about or give the offensive line enough credit, they didn't allow a sack. That's right. Didn't so, allow a sack. And um, we were able to get four against Eastern Michigan. Yep, four plus four in sacks plus five in turnovers. Now let me tell you something. You do that, you're going to win. Yeah, uh, Marcus Weiser with two sacks. Andre Jones with one. And Zion Hill Green with the other, but Casey Osai, who you mentioned, uh, uh, I mean, and and Cam Badesco again, all over the field. Yeah, I mean, and and Badesco had an interception. Um, you know, Casey had a, a forced a, a forced fumble, 
and and he had nine tackles to lead the team, but seven of them were solo stops, and, and that's that's a pretty impressive number for a guy who's not in the starting lineup. Yeah. Um, and then try to make sure I'm reading them. Braylon Trahan and well, Brandon Bishop with the interception, along with Jasper Williams. Again, Jasper Williams is a name I didn't recognize, and again had to look twice to make sure I had the right number, mm-hmm. but. These guys came out strong, and some of these interceptions were by us tagging those receivers and yeah. them getting crocodile arms. Yeah, that, that I'm. Um, I was I was very impressed overall with the play of the defense um, throughout. I I thought they did a great job. Well, we'll just mention Cortland Flowers also with a forced fumble. So, uh, and it looks like Cortland had a quarterback hit as well. I don't know if that was the same play. But I, the defense, I, I think, played well. I don't think I, – I think – how much do you think we were caught off guard with them coming out and throwing the ball? We, we I mean, I think – Numbers part- said that they were going to. Okay. You know, they, they threw for 270, you know, in the in the previous game against Eastern Kentucky. Are they going to have the advantage when they play in the MAC? Because when you think of a MAC ball, I don't think of the MAC ball, I mean, since the days I, of Miami of Ohio. I'll, I'll say this. I think Eastern Michigan's going to be a middle-of-the-pack team. Okay. In the Mid America Conference. That's how okay. I, that's how I feel about it. Good. Let's see enough. if I'm right. All right. So what is, what is bringing back Trey Amos do for the defense? Well, you know, he's their best cover guy. Yeah. You know, and and so he comes back, and I think he's coming back at a good time because Rice can throw it a little bit, and so can ULM, and so can South Alabama. So that's happening. At a, at a really, really good time, and you have to forgive me, I need to cough. Yep. You know, Trey Amos is their best corner. Okay, he's their best cover guy. So having him back is really big, and that's going to be important with Rice, ULM, South Alabama. They all like to throw the football. Um, but just as important, I think, is the return of Landon Burton. Uh, Burton is a, a, an offensive lineman, and Mike said before the season, he said, I think we got eight guys. Well, He's been doing it with seven guys because Burton's been out. Now he's not full go. He's going to uh, he's going to get a, 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 maybe two series in the first half, two series in the second half as he as he you know recuperates from his injury and and gets his conditioning back. Um, but having him back is going to be big as well. So you know Amos has got no restrictions. He's full go, ready to go, and uh, and now Burton will be back as well. And those are two guys that they've missed, and yet. The guys that they've asked to step in have done a nice job. So uh, you know, uh, kudos to uh, kudos to them. Let's move on and talk about this upcoming week. What uh, Rice has you know played USC, Magnese. What what do the Cajuns need to do better on offense? You know, I honestly, it's very difficult to try to figure Rice out. Okay. They could beat 66 to 14 in their first game against USC and and they turned the ball over a bunch. Well, against McNeese this past Saturday, they get five takeaways and they win like, you know, 51 to 7 or whatever it was. Rice hasn't played anybody that looks like Rice. So it's really hard to to just unless you had the opportunity to sit and watch tape, which I haven't yet. Um, it, it's really hard to talk about Rice. Now, Mike uh, said that you know he he likes their quarterback. 
Um, he said that uh, they got a couple of guys on defense across the front. One in particular is proud, who he said has a chance to play in the NFL. Okay. Um, he thinks this is the best team Rice has had in a few years, and he said it's the best team the Cajuns have played so far. So that's about all I can tell you about Rice um, because it's hard to just accept their numbers because they had two that were on the opposite side of the spectrum. How how nice is it, I guess? I mean, you've got a three-and-a-half-hour, we'll call it a four-hour in a bus. Fairly close to home. Easier than getting on the plane first time of the year? Or? Uh, you know, you. it's not as comfortable a ride. No. Okay? But at the same time, I, I don't think it's a big deal. Okay. I, I don't think I don't think but no, I think busing's a big deal if you're bussing to Troy or Texas State, that's six and a half, seven hours. But three hours and a half uh, to uh to Rice and about three hours to ULM the following week, I, I don't think that's a big deal. And you mentioned the teams we have uh, upcoming after South Alabama, it's Marshall. So yeah. we've we've got the Cajun schedule does not get any easier. By the way, they did announce and make it official today. The game with ULM will kick off at 7 p.m. Uh, at Malone Stadium uh, a week from this Saturday. Looking forward to heading up there and, and seeing our friends. We'll talk more with Mike Hammett and uh, hopefully uh, learn something about about the, uh, the Warhawks. But that's still a week away. Yep. So anything else, Jay, you want to talk about the teams, LaGrange, <laughs> or uh, the Sunbelt Conference. Well, I never visited the Chicken Ranch. I can tell you that. I've, I've never been to LaGrange. Now, like you, I've seen the signs. It says, okay, LaGrange, yeah. take a left when I was taking a right or whatever. Um, I passed through the town. Okay. But I, I wasn't. It's, it's kind of west of Austin, east of San Angelo, and maybe a little bit north. Um, San Angelo. That's in East Texas, West Texas. San Angelo is about two hours on the other side of Austin. And, and no, no, it's on. It's between Austin and Houston. No, no, I, dude. All right, it's where my mom was living. Okay, all right. San San Angelo is. The well, back, I know that, but I'm talking about well, San Angelo is about nine. Oh, you're talking about Lagrange? Yes. Okay. Is between Austin. That's what I'm saying. It's not in between Austin and San Angelo. All right. I, all I know is when I would go out to. Um, Buchanan Dam for a family reunion or whatever, I would see signs for LaGrange. Okay. But, yeah, it, it's right on uh, 71, 290. Uh, kind of southeast of Austin, almost due west of Houston, just oh, north of I-10. Oh, oh. So. Oh, oh, oh. We, all right. I think we've had enough of all of that. And look, we've, we've done this pretty much without alcohol. I just want y'all to know. That. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you gotta love, uh, love nights like this. Yep. So next time we can, we can have a couple of drinks and we may illegally throw in a little LaGrange there. Why not? But, uh, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me as always. And, uh, we will talk to you next week after another Cajuns victory, hopefully. And, uh, We'll talk some more Sunbelt. Hopefully the Sunbelt can go out. Uh, South Alabama, I'd like to see them go out and uh, and take down UCLA. And 
Old Dominion. I don't, I don't know what Virginia has, but uh, I hope you know, Old, Old Dominion can pull one out. Can you, uh, you know, can you imagine though, you know, if South Alabama goes out and gets that one, that'll be the fifth P five win for the Sun Belt this year. Well, so I, I did see a tweet. I did not verify it, but the Sun Belt has six undefeated teams. Correct. The rest of the G5s have five combined. That's correct. So we're doing something right. Doing something right. So, well, thanks for listening. We're talking tonight. Craig Malasson and Jay Walker, Voice of the Cajuns. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.